Hello and welcome to Case Reopen, your number one Detective Conan Rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and I am joined by, as always, the one, the only, the high barrow to my Shinichi, <laughs> Colleen. How are you? Uh, I was doing better before that intro. You're gonna, you're gonna learn a lot about yourself. I feel like <laughs> doing a podcast for this long, we'll each kind of learn something about each other, something about ourselves, go through some character development. And I feel like yours is going, your arc will just be realizing that you are Hybera. Uh, I really hope that's not where this is headed. Oh, it's headed there. <laughs> it's, it's a bullet train, one direction, no stops. That's the destination. Uh, let's just talk about Conan some more. <laughs> we will do that and we'll also tackle your character arc as well as we work through this two-part episode. We'll be covering episode 130, the indiscriminate stadium threatening case, and episode 131, which is part two of it. Part one originally aired on January 11th, 1999, and the Conan's hint going into this episode was baseball cap. Get excited for this baseball cap. Yeah, and it's not hygies, unfortunately. Conan opens up the episode by saying, Soccer is quite thrilling. The matching case progress simultaneously. It's all true. Yep, no that, that is not wrong. Although, like, Conan barely gets to see the match. The episode begins with the detective boys and Hybera watching a lion dance, which this seemed pretty random. I also didn't know this was something they did, like, outside of China a ton. Yeah. Like, you think it'd be like, I guess it's it's New Year's Day, so I guess there's a celebration, there's a reason for it. But uh, before you know it was like a holiday, you're kind of just like, what is going on here? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty random. Ayumi says the beast looks a bit like Inspector Meguri, which causes Conan to burst out laughing. Mitsuhiko says it also looks like Ginta, which causes Ginta to chase him. Conan then reminds them that the soccer match is starting soon, and that they should get going or they'll miss it. So I know we have a worldwide audience. I, I debated internally whether I should write soccer or football. Mm. And ultimately, I went with soccer. So I apologize for being an ignorant American. But uh, it's soccer. Come on, man. Yeah, that's what we'll go with. <laughs> what do they call it in old Canada up north? Uh, Soccer. Okay. So. I mean, we just copy whatever the U.S. does anyways. <laughs> so the fine folks up north are just as ignorant. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. I mean, if it were being real, football makes a lot more sense than our football, because you don't use your feet Absolutely, yeah. in American football. I don't even know what soccer means. It's just like a made-up word. But, you know, if you think about it, everything's kind of made up. Soccer's a made-up sport, so let's go with it. I'm sure there's some sort of word origin that is not actually going to be part of this podcast, because it's a Conan podcast, not a soccer podcast. Do you get into soccer any, Colleen? Like when it's World Cup, do you cheer on Canada? <laughs> I don't think soccer's as big as, so let's say, hockey um, here. But uh, in my household, soccer's a pretty big deal. Our European roots just sort of uh, make us go that direction. So do you root for Poland? Or where are you rooting for? It's my dad that's mostly into it. I, I mean, I watch it. Kind of when the big sporting events happen, and or though I, you know, I'm really messing this up. I think I just watch highlights. I don't really watch a lot of matches, but yeah, it's Spain maybe, and uh, who else have we? Uh, like Argentina, Argentina, yeah. Uh, so we're kind of all over. It depends on 
the particular year, I suppose. Personally, I root for whatever team our listener currently is from. So if you're from, I don't know, Japan, go Japan. If you're from the good old U.S., USA, if you're from uh, the U.K., golly, good show. So, All you footballers, you're saying that like we have one listener. Well, whoever's listening right now, <laughs> I'm for your team. I'm kind of like this, you know, I'm like water. What a, you know, I'm just going with the flow. If you're from like Belgium, I'll rock with you. I'll support the Belgium national squad. It's all good. Yeah. Spread soccer love. Except for New Zealand. I'm against the New Zealand football team. No, I'm not. I I'm, I just I just wanted to like be mean to a certain country, but I think we do have listeners yeah. in New Zealand, so uh I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, is there, I don't know, I was going to say sorry Kiwis, but I don't know if that's a derogatory term or not. I don't think it is, but uh, I could be wrong, obviously. But let's let's just keep going on this episode here. Uh, we then see Kogoro drinking sake at home, and Ron's complaining that he had six drinks already. He says that it's a new year, so he should be able to drink as much as he likes. Which Ron replies saying that he always drinks as much as he likes. So that's kind of the problem. Most people have like New Year's resolutions where they're trying to be a better version of themselves. And Kegra is just trying to drink as much as possible. What if that's a better version of himself though? That's in his mind. What would improve his self image or worth or however Kogoro sees it? It's definitely going to improve his self image. But only to himself. I mean, (laughs) yeah. Anyways, it's... Whatever Kogoro feels like what's making him a better person. Once again, Kogoro does, has a very small role in here, but they really nail his screen time. It's very good here. Yeah, so last time it was he was sleeping, and now he's a drunk who only wants to watch Yoko Kino. Ron then tells Kogoro that Conan went to the Emperor's Cup Finals match, and he complains that Conan is spending his New Year watching soccer instead of Yoko Kino. <laughs> However, she isn't on during her normal time due to the holiday. And Kegura just plunks out and takes a nap on the floor instead. Much respect to the man. Oh, totally. Cuts to the soccer game, and the kids are cheering on the Tokyo Spirits against Big Osaka. The Spirits take the lead after a goal by Hideo Akagi. Mitsuhiko says that if he doesn't get injured, he'll likely make the national squad. They then remark on how poorly Japan did in the World Cup, not managing to win a single game. But everybody was still excited that Japan qualified. The kids then call out Conan for acting cool, as he was actually the angriest when the World Cup was going on. And they show him throwing a tantrum straight up, like, on a desk, pounding his feet. It's very funny. So, I don't know if I was the only one here doing this, but I tried to picture Shinichi doing that. And it just made that visual ten times more hilarious. Conan says that he couldn't help it, as seeing Japan in the World Cup has been his dream since childhood. And so all the detective boys are like, you're still a child now, and Hybera <laughs> can't help but laugh here, as Conan's just really showing his childish side here. Yeah, I mean, that's what soccer does to him, right? And this is kind of continuing from the last episode where he kept slipping up about mentioning that, you know, oh, when, when I was younger, and they're like, What? When soccer's in the mix, even the great detective becomes an enthusiastic t- teenager, Hybera said. So you basically just said the same thing. You and Hybera are on the same exact length. You see this. You're on the same wavelength, girl. 
Nope, not not seeing it. Conan then asks why she's reading a magazine rather than watching the game. So you're also not in the saga. See, the similarities here, Colleen. Yeah, but I wouldn't do what she's doing. Like, why did she even come to the game? Because she just, she proceeds to say like, oh, I should be careful because She wanted to be by Shinichi, much like you want to be by Shinichi. (laughs) You would have went to the game as well. Stop me when I'm, like, telling a lie or being inaccurate, because I feel like I'm being completely honest and knowing the situation here. Exactly. (laughs) Hibera says she just came to be with him and that she can't potentially be on television as the black organization knows what her childhood face looks like. Conan then takes her glasses off and gives her his hat, saying that they won't recognize her anymore and tells her to watch the game. We then get to hear the thoughts of Hibera, which is pretty interesting. Not really. You you are such a hater, Colin. (laughs) She says, you can't even imagine in your dreams. You're already deeply connected to the secret project our organization's been working on for half a century. So we're getting some lore here. The uh, Apatoxin 4869 project's been going on for half a century. That's 50 years, Colin. I can do that. So, like, all jokes aside, I did actually find that an interesting um, quote that she said. And I didn't even catch on that it was talking about the drug. So in my mind, I was like, well, they haven't really talked about whatever the organization's all about, and at least in the episodes I've watched. So I, I was like, well, anyways, when she said that, I didn't, I didn't immediately think, oh, yeah, we've actually resolved that by now. I just felt like we, we still didn't get the answer to that. Yeah, see, there's another huge remark here. We'll get to it later on. And I was surprised at how much, like, lore they actually, like, Mm -hmm. give you in this first episode after she was introduced. Because, like, I feel like it doesn't really dawn on the reader until hundreds of chapters later where they go into it more detail. But you can tell, like, the the layers are right there. Yeah. uh, From the onset, which is interesting. I was really surprised uh, at how early on uh, they were giving all that information as well. Especially because I had totally, like, by the time... It comes up again. I feel like everyone would have forgotten anyway. So I don't know if it's just sort of one of those things. Like, I don't know if in the manga this case came right after Hybara's introduction or not. But at least talking about the anime, uh, it kind of makes it sound like they, they're taking advantage of the fact that, okay, uh, we're, let's talk about the Black organization a little bit more. But then we totally, I, I feel like we get a little bit derailed and what with all the originals that come in afterwards like i just don't feel like there's a smooth progression so i just ended up forgetting about this whole like 50 year project yeah so it doesn't follow it exactly but it's uh it's like there's just one in between okay they get they get to it pretty quickly after high bear is introduced here in the manga um we then see the production truck outside and the director named kaneko gets a phone call Mysterious voice tells him to look at the kids in the crowd that are on the right side of the central stand. He then points out Hybera, but confuses her for a boy. You're probably enjoying that. You're like, yeah, misgender her. Yeah. <laughs> no. Say she's a man. Oh, no. The wind blows Hybera's hat down to the field, and then a ball next to it suddenly deflates. Conan hops down and notices two holes in the ball, and then finds the remains of a bullet there. He pulls out a knife. which is like where did you get that (laughs) i was like does he always carry around a pocket knife yeah and this guard's like what the hell is going on and he digs out a 7.62 millimeter bullet uh the guard's just very confused this entire time he's like what the guard was fantastic 
Like, he's like, hey, kid, you're not supposed to be down here. And Conan easily diverts his attention to look for the hat. <laughs> Meanwhile, he pulls out this knife. It, it was such a great little scene. The director calls the police, and he explains to Megary that the shooter only shot a soccer ball. Megary believes it's a prank with an air gun at first, but Conan suddenly arrives and says it was done with a Tokarev pistol. The rest of the detective boys are with him, and he explains that he found the bullet. It's said that the Tokarev also, oh, it's said that the Tokarev often enters Japan through China, and is the most common weapon that uses that particular Russian bullet. Conan says the gun must have used a silencer, and says he heard all this information from Kogoro once Megari asks how he knows so much, and we get this great scene where Megari's like, what is Kogoro teaching these kids? <laughs> that was great. And Megari should be questioning that. Megari orders the game to be stopped and for everybody to be evacuated. However, the director says they can't, as the man on the phone says that if that were to happen, he'd indiscriminately start shooting people. I, I love the stakes in this episode. Yeah, me too. You could just see a mass shooting breaking out here, and the police are trying to prevent that at all costs here. Megari asks what the blackmailer is demanding and learns that he wants 50 million yen at halftime from Nichiri TV. Kaneko says the 50 million yen is being prepared, and Megari decides to slip undercover agents into the audience. He has his men prepared to find everyone that is using a cell phone once the blackmailer calls to tell him where to drop off the money. So this is a very 1999 thing. Could you imagine trying to spot everybody with a cell phone in 2020? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely um, characteristic of the times. Like, even later on when they start talking about the earbuds with the little microphones, like, I, I don't think, I think it was Ayumi that didn't recognize what that was. So it was just interesting to see kind of how much it was situated in the time. Yeah. And uh, Kaneko remarks that Highbear is a girl and finds it odd as the man on the phone told them to focus on the boy with the blue hat on the left. Conan tells Megari that arresting the blackmailer would be a disaster as this proves there are multiple assailants. The man that shot the pistol was close to them, but the man on the phone couldn't tell that High Barrow was a girl. This means that the man on the phone was far away and likely looking through binoculars. Megary informs all of his agents, and Conan wonders how they can find the blackmailers with so few clues in a stadium packed with 56,000 people. You know, if a like gunfire started there, probably have people getting trampled on as like people rush. Like It'd be yep. complete mayhem. So the stakes just keep getting higher and higher. Megary tells his men to also be on the lookout for people using a device to see far away when Kaneko gets a phone call. He answers the phone and is asked if he called the police, but he denies doing so. Kaneko tells the man that he has the money and is told to leave it at the 18th exit gate. The man then hangs up, and Megary checks with his informants. In total, there were eight people that were using a cell phone during that time. This includes an old man in Sector E with a black sweater on, and a guy in Sector K who is still talking after the blackmailer hung up. None of this is important in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the grand all. scheme of things. Yeah, I was like, I better note this in case it comes back around, because I cannot remember how this case was solved until the very end and then i was like oh yeah 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 that makes complete sense but yeah. none of it stayed with me i was mixing this case up with a earlier like a much earlier case uh involving like that that one soccer player yeah where you can't like score 
Is that the one? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of soccer cases. Uh, Gosho Ayama loves his soccer, and we kind of get like a rotating, recurring cast of characters of just soccer players, and they never really play a huge role. But if you pay attention to like the names, they definitely pop up throughout the series, which is a nice little thing for people paying attention. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's a great idea to have those characters because you feel a little bit more like you're encompassed in that world, and there's actually other things going on besides just Conan solving mysteries. Like there are other celebrities like within the world itself so yeah i think it's really cool that they're reoccurring and it's not just like these random soccer players for this episode megary suspects that one of the men will try to collect the money as well and that they have to catch them before they realize the police are there Kenneth then places a listening device on Megaru's radio in order to listen in on their movement and learns that the three other Detective Boy members re-entered the building on the hunt for the criminal they're using their badges to communicate so Conan yells at them, saying that this man has a gun, and he could kill them as they're just kids. And they're like, you're just a kid, too. We want to help. Jerk. <laughs> Conan begrudgingly agrees and tells them not to take on anyone suspicious alone. Hibera then says this isn't a bad idea, as the blackmailers won't see the kids as a threat. As planned, the bag is then placed on XA-18, and a female officer named Sato watches over it. This is the first time we get to see her. That was awesome. And the way that she's introduced, I feel like, it's very low profile. I remember when I first watched this episode, noted like, oh, that's probably the first female officer I've seen to actually be part of like a bigger uh, operation or whatnot. But I didn't actually think that she would become a permanent part. Well, whatever, a reoccurring character. Yeah. And like Takagi was very low profile for a long time. So it's nice to see them have these very low key introductions, but they really ramp up and become some of my favorite characters uh, in the show. I really like both of them and we'll get to learn more about her as the series continues, but it's nice to see her. I feel like this is a turning point for Takagi too. Like there was a really, well, I found it a funny moment later on, I think in the second part. And it just sort of reminded me like, uh, like with the trajectory that Takagi's going on and like we're gonna get the um, Metropolitan Police love stories or whatever they're called so yeah it's just we're getting to know these characters a little bit more and I think that's awesome I'm curious when Takagi's first manga appearance was I wonder if this was it oh maybe I'm gonna look this up real quick okay so his first debut was episode 102 of the anime the actor's apartment case so he appeared a few times here, but this is this is still pretty early on for him to be showing up and having a mm-hmm. having a bigger role than usual. But let me see if this is Sato's first appearance there. Yes, this is hers in the manga as well. So oh, fantastic! That's nice. So at least we're even there. I didn't know she was older than him. Oh yeah, he likes the mature babes. <laughs> Someone walks by the bag in a gray coat with a white mask and sunglasses on, and they grab it. Megari then gives the order to get him, and Sato's able to drive him down to the ground. She uses a judo throw, which is pretty awesome. However, the man doesn't have a gun, and his accomplice on the phone says not to touch him. Don't touch my partner, or I'll kill someone in the audience, he threatens. Police then have no choice but to comply, and he then yells at Kaneko for betraying him. He feels as if he's being mocked, and he threatens to kill someone to show that he's serious, and that's as the episode ends. So it's a very sudden ending. Where he's just like, I'm going to kill someone. And then the ending song. Yeah. Just to go back to how this was like Officer Sato's first appearance. There's also this other guy that I don't know if that was her partner or whatnot. But like he's also kind of in that same area and about to attack. I think it's 
name's Detective Tamiya. So I don't think that guy appears ever again. So I I thought almost like it was the same deal for Sato. And um, anyways, just feel bad. Shout out to Officer Tamiya, who we never see again. Yeah, he sucks because he runs up to this guy and he gets punched. <laughs> And he don't, he can't stop him. Oh. So then, because she comes in and then makes the save, because he gets thrown off immediately. Yeah. So it was all her. Oh, that was so good. Feminist icon. Well, yeah, but like, did you feel empowered, Colleen? You're like, yeah, good women. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, and it's purely because we haven't had one of those moments in a while. At least I don't recall in the last, you know, few episodes. It's yeah, either... Ron hasn't been kicking ass. Yeah, exactly. So it was nice to see that, and it was kind of um, a memorable moment, because then when you realize, oh, okay, this character is going to be part of a more regular cast, you, you're you able to remember her. It's not like, oh, was that the the guy, like, Tamiya, who got sh- punched in the face? So... I don't know if that was part of the plan to make her first act as impressionable as possible, but I think it worked. And uh, and yeah, so just on sort of on the topic of strong female fighters or martial artists, uh, I don't know if we talked about this before, but do you think it's like Goshoyama trying to compensate for perhaps like the fear of writing a weak fem- female character? So they just he just makes them all really good at martial arts. I mean, Sonica is not good at martial arts, but uh, she's rich, which is even better in my eyes. Yeah. (laughs) So it's either they're strong fighters or they have something like very, uh, like their characters are very exaggerated. So Sonica is like the rich flirt, essentially. I mean, that is an interesting discussion. Um, I mean, a lot of the Detective Conan characters are like just... They have something they're really good at. Like Sonica's boyfriend later on in the series, he's super into martial arts. Shinichi's like has really good hand eye coordination. You know, like the yeah. Kaido kids, the master of disguise. Hattori's good at martial arts too. So it's like, I feel like that's just kind of like a go to thing. I'm not sure it's to compensate, but. It might be. It might be something where he's thinking, oh, oh, I need a a strong female character. But I think he just likes to be, I think he likes a strong woman, likes to be stepped on, you know? Maybe. (laughs) I guess we'll never know. That's why he got a divorce. Right. Because his wife wasn't beating him up enough. Yep. Conan's voice actor. She she wasn't doing enough of that. (laughs) Next Conan's hint is television camera. And before we get to part two... What did you think about the first part? Did you? I I liked how it set the stage. I thought it did a really good job, really raising the stakes, and it felt kind of unlike any other episode. Like it, it definitely feels very different compared to a lot of the murder cases. And we didn't even have like the you know usually Conan something happens, and then you have like the three people who are trying to narrow it down. There's none of that formula. Like I I really liked just how different this episode felt. Yeah, I agree with you. Like I I I felt like it was exciting. The entire episode, I liked how the stakes were really high. The scope was broadened, having just so many hostages involved. And um, you kind of got to see more of like a police operation and their involvement. Because it's very much like if it's one of those smaller cases, it's just like Megray and he brings over sort of like the forensics guys and Takagi and whatnot. But this is very much like, okay, we're going to position all you guys and you have to watch to see if... uh, 
there's anyone talking on the phone. So it kind of felt like one of those police movies even kind of gave me diehard vibes. So yeah, I, I was really uh, excited for the next part after such a strong beginning. Yeah, I loved when Karen said, yippee ki Mr. Falcon. Like, that was such an iconic moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good, good. I'm glad you caught that. Yeah, it was only in the English dub, though, strangely enough. <laughs> yeah, they they just, like, skipped a bunch of episodes and decided to dub this yeah, one. Yeah, just for that diehard joke. <laughs> so we move on to part two, which is episode 131. This aired one week later on January 18th, 1999. Kind of introduces the episode by saying the audience is hostages, a dangerous threat. Stop the bullet in the blind spot of the case. So it picks up right where the last episode stopped and Kanako tells the man to please stop and that he'll do anything he asks. Megari also agrees to stay out of it as they don't want any innocent victims. He tells the cops that he'll give them a chance to make up for it and demands that he gets extra money since the cops were called. He demands a billion yen by the time the game ends near the 18th exit gate. If it's not there by the time the game is over, then he'll kill somebody in the audience. So that's quite the demand there, and Kanaka says that's impossible, and the man replies, Are you saying you can't pay my share? Which Conan finds odd. Megari then checks with his officers, and none of the people that they're monitoring are on their phones. Backmeller says that the police will never find him no matter where they search, and that they should all exit the stadium. I have 56,000 hostages here, and you know what I'll do. Megari agrees to exit, and the man starts pointing out the various officers around the stadium. This guy just seems to have all the power here. The police are kind of helpless here. Uh, it's very one-sided. You don't usually see the culprit like have so much power over the police. It just became a little bit more, a little bit scarier in that moment, because as they figure out later on like this guy doesn't really have any regard for any of those people in the stadium he just has whatever he needs to get done and uh and that's probably the most dangerous of, of anyone like i mean watching this i was just hoping that they were gonna find this guy i suppose i don't know i, I wasn't getting no that makes it sound like i was like you know on the edge of my seat or something getting super involved but it was it was a little different than um, any other kind of hostage situation I think we've seen uh, so far throughout the show. Like usually there might be one hostage or it might be like the detective boys that are in danger or something. And that doesn't really scream out to me, you know, high stakes or anything because I feel like, you know, it's a little bit more compact and they'll eventually get rescued but with this thing like who knew what he was planning like was he just gonna open fire or if he had like a specific target in mind and just bigger consequences i guess in this than uh other ones yeah the the stakes were definitely higher and it's not every day you have a mass murder being threatened on a kid's cartoon you know <laughs> only detective conan maybe maybe other ones too but yeah Conan overhears this and asks if anyone in the back stand is using binoculars. He's told that many people are looking at the players, and he then specifies he wants one looking at the stadium while on the phone. Ayumi then spots a man, but he doesn't have a phone and instead has an earbud in. Conan realizes that he's plugged in an earpiece with a microphone into the phone, which is why the officers couldn't find him. Conan says that he's coming over, and he tells the detective boys not to lose track of him. Before Conan arrives, Mitsuhiko and Genta decide to take him down themselves, saying that he's as suspicious as it gets. They charge up the man and knock him down. 
And that's when Conan arrives and threatens to put him to sleep. And they realize that the suspicious man is actually just Takagi. <laughs> Aww. My boy Takagi. Yeah, Genta says that officer shouldn't look so suspicious. And Takagi says his radio is broken, so he had no choice. He's just a downtrodden, suspicious man. Of course it had to happen to Takagi. Like, he's already kind of pictured as, like, the most bumbling one of them, in a way. So, of course, he has to have the broken radio. Yeah, it's quite the funny scene. I really enjoyed that. Me too. Conan asks what happened with the blackmailer's partner and learns that he left the stadium with the money. Conan also learns that nobody else left, meaning the other blackmailer is still in the stadium. Mitsuhiko calls him greedy for demanding one billion yen, but Hybera says that isn't the case. She says that a billion yen can't be gathered in 45 minutes, and Conan says the blackmailer has been intending on killing someone from the start. So, money's not the motive here, Colleen. It's even more dangerous now. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with my rambling earlier. Like, at this point, did you have a sense of what the the guy was after at all? No, and thinking now, I'm still not sure who he was trying to kill. No, so I just, like, chalked that down to he would have just he would just shot anybody. Yeah, maybe. But he, he had, like, a pistol, you know? It's not like he had a machine gun. No. So I'm thinking it would have been one person, probably, maybe two, and likely one of the players is my thought but that's just my opinion that could be it takagi tells meguri that there's just 30 minutes left in the match and another policeman reveals that they lost track of the car that the blackmailer left in they managed to get his license plate but it was of a stolen car meguri says that they now have no choice but to catch the other blackmailer still in the stadium meguri is unsure what to do next and kind of suggests looking at the camera recordings to see if they can spot the man there as he was on the phone and looking through binoculars after checking they can't find anyone that matches the description conan's really just dismayed by this and he can't figure out how this is possible and like we're halfway through the second episode of this two-parter and he's completely clueless we really don't see conan in this sort of puzzlement and just despair like he is here mm-hmm it kind of gave me movie vibes we were kind of dealing at this point we were dealing like with like a ticking time bomb scenario it wasn't a bomb obviously but like the same like he was under a time constraint and he wasn't getting what he needed to so he kind of goes into this like panic mode a little bit so he's gonna slip up and whatnot I don't know, I feel like we've seen that before more in the theatrical releases than in episodes themselves, and uh, but that also represents a shift in, I feel like, the story, the stories that we'll see from now on, because I think we do, uh, there are there are either specials or two-parters, I can't remember, where we do see a little bit more of that, uh, you know, they're under the clock to get something done, and uh, they're just not finding what they need to find. So yeah, it was a little concerning for Conan, because he's usually... He has sort of like the time to think in his head and sort of put pieces together and find clues and whatnot. But this is more like if you can't find it, you can't find it. It's not like he's going to find a fingerprint and that'll save the day. Kanaka tells Meguri that he's only been able to gather up 100 million yen, which is just one-tenth of the amount requested. Meguri says that can't be helped and suggests replacing the missing money with newspaper clippings. Takagi then suggests that the blackmailer isn't in it for money as anyone that has been to a bank knows that it is impossible to gather 1 billion yen in 45 minutes. And that's when Meguri finally comes to the conclusion that Hybera said earlier that the blackmailer was always intending on killing someone once the game stops. 
But Panic is fully on for everybody. And Megary asks Kaneko if anybody resents Naturi TV currently, but he can't think of anybody. Kaneko then asks Kaneko if the voice of the blackmailer always sounded the same on the phone. He says the voice was a bit muffled, but he believes it was the same man. Kaneko says that means that the one who shot the ball was the one who took the money, but the one that escaped didn't have the gun on him. Megary then says that must mean he gave the gun to his partner, and so they decide to check the 35 minutes of video recording for the man that took the money. Back here, looking through that video again. They are then at the 37-minute mark of the second half, and Takagi finds the man in the video. However, he's just walking around, and then he suddenly goes off screen. Kenner says that it's not likely that he'll appear on screen, and that they can't be certain that he gave the gun to him. However, they have no other way to find the blackmailer, so they are just keep on watching this video. They really just seem out of ideas here. Yeah, a little bit. This whole video part to me was a little weird. Like, I understood what was going on with, like, the camera moving away from this individual, but why was he walking around the stadium anyways? Like, that was the part that kind of had me wondering. Yeah, that's kind of a good point. He really doesn't have much of a reason (laughs) to stay out of sight, dude. Yeah, you had one job. The match nears injury time and everybody's panicking as they're without any leads. Conan pleads with time itself to stop when Hibera tells him to be patient. She says people can't go against the stream of time. If they try to force it, they will be punished. Now, does that sound like something I would say? I don't think so. Absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're always trying to be wise. You're you're always like, people can't go against the stream of time. <laughs> If they try to force it, they will be punished. You're like a wise old woman, Colleen. That's yeah, the with the voice I'm getting, and all. <laughs> I'm getting from Hybera here. You're exactly the same as her. Well, Hybera did say she was 84 years old. Yeah, so like, just like me. <laughs> think of this remark, and then think about what she was saying earlier about the drug, working on it for 50 years. So think about going against the stream of time, and then the drug they took did that. Because they went from being 18, or 84 in her case, to being, you know, these grade school children. Yeah. Wow. Mind blown. So, Hybera has gone against her own wisdom. Well, she's talking from experience. Because she tried to go against the stream of time, and she's been punished as a result. She's talking about the drug here, which is pretty interesting. Well, she tried to stop the stream of time, because she thought she was going to die by taking the drug. But think think about the development of the drug and what people would be doing if they're trying to go against the stream of time. Oh, well. What do you think they're trying to achieve? Immortality. Uh-huh. Think about that. What if you could just take a drug, become younger, and in theory live forever? You just keep taking it and you become a little baby boy and you're like, hey, I'm 12 again. Hey. Is that really the desire of people seeking immortality, though? They pr- you probably don't want to go back to the very beginning. I mean, I don't know. Why not? I'd like to be a baby again. <laughs> but, like, I suppose if you have people around to take care of you, but, like, if you were just alone, like, you know, living alone or whatnot, like, you're just going to be a baby <laughs> in an apartment or in a house. I mean, it happened in Dragon Ball Super. Peel off and everybody becomes young again. Oh, well, that's a conversation for another day. That was just, like, what happened with that? And Trunks ending up with, oh yeah, like. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) 
So uh, Conan's confused by this remark, and he then chides the detective boys for watching the game after he hears them talking about missing a third attempt. However, they explain that they're trying to find somebody suspicious, and the one man from earlier keeps disappearing from the picture. They point towards camera 13, which keeps panning to the right every single time he's on screen. So, did you figure out the case here after you saw this? Because uh, this is where <laughs> I did. I, I finally put it together. Yeah, I I think I remembered who the culprit was like who they ended they needed to look for but i still couldn't remember the motive yeah yeah same so kind of finally figures out the case and the game reaches injury time do you know how like soccer works uh no okay i didn't realize there was an injury time so unlike american football where you have like 15 minutes and the start you know the play the clock is down during the play and then it stops in between them so with uh soccer you have 45 minutes for a half. That clock ticks up the entire time. There's no breaks. There's no like timeouts. It just keeps on ticking. But mm-hmm. the referees do have an injury time. So if people get hurt or I think it's usually just called stoppage time. But like if they're if, so they'll add like a two minutes period at the end. If like there was two minutes roughly of stuff going on. So injury time is just after the immediate time. But they're just like throwing in some extra minutes to make up for the inactivity. So injury time means, you know, there's only a few minutes left. It can end any second now. So it's really down to the wire here. And so that's how injury time works. A little explanation for any of our fans that aren't big fans of the beautiful game of football. Yeah, that was awesome. Good explanation, Tyler. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's why I'm the sports guy. That's right. We all have to be good at something. Karen sneaks away from the detective boys as the police go to deliver the money and others get sent out to the crowd. We then see Conan walk up to the cameraman operating camera 13 and he says, it's you, right? The one blackmailing new cherry TV. Karen says nobody would be shocked at him looking at the stands and it's only natural for him to be talking over the phone and his earphones. Nobody would have expected an employee to be blackmailing his own company. Karen says the cameraman's video gave him away as he immediately panned the camera whenever his accomplice would appear. This happened four times, so it wasn't a coincidence. He's also the only camera that could have spotted all the police officers on the main stand that he mentioned earlier. And he asks if he'll turn himself in, and he readies his tranquilizer. However, the man turns around, drawing his gun from his jacket, and Conan shoots his dart. However, the needle hits the gun and bounces off it, and Conan's just kind of screwed here, Colleen. And I was like, oh no. Yeah. We thought it was going to be lights out for Conan. The man says that he'd like to do that, but it's not going to happen as he had a reason why he did the blackmail. Conan is surprised that the man has a Beretta and not a Tokarev like he suspected, and he explains that his partner's gun is in a trash bag there. The cameraman reveals how he got both guns while he was getting ready to rob a bank last year, and that they had a perfect plan. Having the Cherry TV ran an event on the bank that day, they were going to do the robbery and they ruined it. When he didn't get the money, his wife began drinking and committed suicide, so he blames the TV company for it. Totally normal motives here. Yeah. Uh, like, all right, I had so many issues with this entire part, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> like, that whole backstory, the whole reason for why he was doing this, ludicrous. And then the fact that he's telling Conan all of this, too. It's like that evil villain telling the protagonist what his plans are. I kind of get that part just because he's waiting for the time to get up. <laughs> oh, so he's just like killing time by doing it? Because he can't shoot him right now. Yeah, he, he's waiting until the the game's officially over. He says that a little bit. So uh, I understood that part. But yeah, I feel like this episode is really great. 
until they get to the character motivations and then like they could have just had him be a disgruntled employee or something why why'd your wife have to be like an alcoholic that commits suicide and then like it, it all seems very extra for no real point and it doesn't really add too much to it i also love that and well, sorry i don't love that the wife commits suicide but i love that she was the wife of a robber and she had a problem with him not being able to rob the bank like that's almost the like i don't maybe she didn't know that he was robbing the bank maybe it was just like a matter of he didn't get the money so she ended up you know drinking and committing suicide also if you're broke how are you affording all these booze you know? right so where is she getting her money from for all the Lose. maybe he needed to steal a bank to, to support, support her, her alcoholism, alcoholism. <laughs> that's sorry i shouldn't be laughing that it's not funny but um yeah it just, it's pretty funny <laughs> this whole part was funny that's what was like i'm i'm with you like the the, the episode was on such a high uh, moment the entire time and then this part happened and it kind of deflated things yeah and i feel like that's kind of becoming a not a, a regular occurrence, but a, a trend we're seeing a little bit. Like, this isn't the first time that we found the criminal motivations to be lacking. And usually it's in a, uh anime original, but here, this is straight up a manga case. So, uh, it is a little underwhelming. And it, it definitely brings the episode down a notch, but I, I still am pretty high on this episode. I really enjoyed it. But, you know, this last, like, three-minute monologue is kind of like, dude, just don't talk. You were cooler when you didn't talk. <laughs> oh, like... Absolutely. Like when Conan even approached him from the back, the guy didn't even flinch. Like sometimes they'll go all wide eyed and say, you know, oh, how did you find me or who are you or whatnot? This guy was just like cool as a cucumber, you know, on the verge of maybe a little bit of a sociopath or whatnot. Or he just did not look threatened at all. In my mind, he's totally lost it and he never had a wife. That very possible. That I would actually believe that more than his own story Conan asks the man what he's going to do as if he shoots him then somebody will notice the cameraman says that everybody's paying attention to the game so they won't see a thing and that his silence gun won't make enough noise with the fans cheering he says he'll shoot him the moment the game ends i'll take the chance to leave in the middle of the mess and i'll tell all the newspapers i'm the person who killed a kid because nature tv wouldn't pay me the money i asked for so he's really got a beef with his tv station <laughs> Just because they did a special on this bank. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bank, too. Okay, yeah. I forgot. A soccer ball. Then. I don't know why. I thought it was like a shopping mall, which would have made it even worse. Like, you know, you know, free eggs for every $100 spent or something. A soccer ball then goes out of bounds near Conan and he smiles. He gets really lucky here. He gets really lucky here. Yeah. Then delivers a bicycle kick with his powered-up shoes that strike the cameraman in the face and knock him out. The game ends, and Big Osaka has won the Emperor's Cup. The goalkeeper, Ramos, wins man of the match, and Conan congratulates him on the clearing kick that helped him get out of his deadly situation. And Conan says the blackmailer is taken away by the police, and they caught the accomplice 30 minutes later at his house. I always don't know how to feel about these types of endings. Like, it's fine to have him get lucky. But, like, was he just completely screwed if this ball didn't go out of bounds and land towards him? Like, what was he going to do? Was he just yeah. going to get shot? Pretty much. What was his plan A? Like, did he have another dart lined up? Probably not. Yeah, so it's it's interesting to think about, like, just, man, you're so close from dying, kid, and you're not even bothered. Well, yeah, there was this a tonal shift, right? Because right after he knocks the guy out and Big Osaka wins the soccer game, 
he's like you know congratulating the soccer player all cheerful and whatnot as if he wasn't near death just moments ago (laughs) after the ending scene the detective boys complain about not getting to see much of the match and that they didn't catch the blackmailers so they weren't very useful Conan says that wasn't the case and that megary said they wouldn't have solved the case without them this cheers the kids up instantly Highbearer then compliments Kudo's deduction, saying that he only he would have figured it out with so few clues. She then says he's turning into quite the interesting test subject, to which Conan replies, that doesn't sound like a common an 84-year-old lady would say. She then reveals her actual age, which is 18, the same as Shinichi. We now know her age, and she's legal, boys. <laughs> I missed when she told him that she was 84. Was that in the last episode? Yeah, I think it was the first part. Okay. I think it was during that magazine reading part i think or thereabouts i mean see i think i think i just took it as a joke but like was he taking it seriously uh no probably not uh he was probably like i read off of conan that he was taking as like one of her snarky comments like fine don't tell me your age don't you know let's not try and get closer or become friends so the next conan's hint is screen name so we'll have to keep an eye out for that um, so what do you think about this two-parter overall? Did you enjoy it? Overall, yeah. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a really strong two-parter. Um, it faulted maybe a little bit with the uh, culprit motivation for me, um, but I liked everything else. So just overall, I I would I would not uh, say that you know it's a bad episode just for that reason. I liked the juxtaposition of the case itself with the soccer game sort of how nobody in the stadium was even aware that their lives were endangered well i mean at least one person would have probably been in danger not everybody but um but yeah it was kind of an interesting uh setting uh in that regard um the whole the comment that the detective voice make at the end where they're like oh we were useless i actually think they were more useful in this episode than in a lot of other ones where they you know think that they've actually solved the case like they were going around the stadium they were inconspicuous and then like when they when conan and um all of the police officers were looking at the tv screens um i feel like it was actually their comment that made conan realize what was going on because i think one of them can't remember if it was mitsuhiko maybe or ayumi they were saying like oh he keeps you know disappearing or whatnot and the comment sounded like they were talking about the game but it was actually the guy that they were looking for so i think like that was the pinnacle moment of solving this case so i would argue that they're actually very useful in this episode um but yeah i i really enjoyed it the stakes were high it was great and um i liked that uh we got to meet officer sato for the first time because she's awesome yeah, Kenan wasn't lying when he told the when he tried to cheer up the detective boys at the end. Like they were the key to the the case. They helped put everything in motion for the what fifty thousand, sixty thousand people 000, not to die. Yeah. yeah, I have very similar uh, thoughts. I thought it was a really good episode. Like I mentioned earlier, I thought the the criminals, uh, you know, his reasoning for everything was a little bit whack, but other than that, you know, I thought everything was really solid. I thought the mystery was very dramatic. They kept pace with it. The introduction of Officer Seto is really cool. Um, just a really solid two episode, a lot of high intensity, some really good high bearer moments. She's not like, she doesn't have an overbearing presence and she's not really even involved all that much, but like she may only say like, 
four sentences during this, but I thought every sentence had a lot of impact to it. Like, sometimes, Colleen, you can be quiet, but when you do interject, when you do chime in, you bring such knowledge. You drop it. So it's very similar to High Bear here. Soft-spoken, but with with daggers <laughs> sometimes, but also very informative. Uh, Thanks, I guess. I think, actually, High Bear is a little bit more eloquent than I am. I feel like I tend to ramble, but she gets to, to concisely putting her point across. Uh, next week, we have a three-parter. So uh, I'm not sure if we've done a three-parter yet. Uh, we did the uh, Night Baron case. Was that three parts? I think so. I think it was three parts. Yeah, you're correct. Looks like this is our second three-parter. We might have done a one-and-a-half-hour special. I don't know. But um, Well, the Hibera thing was one-and-a-half hours. No, no, no. That was two hours. Yeah. It just I mean, seemed like one and a half because <laughs> no you know, commercials. commercials. Yeah. So we'll have three episodes next time. It's the Magic Lovers Murder Case. Oh my gosh. Part one is the case. Part two is the suspicion. Part three is the resolution. So be on the lookout for that next week. I didn't realize this was coming up so soon. I don't remember what this is. Are you excited? How are you feeling uh, for this? So it's a. I th- it's technically considered a Kaido Kid episode. I think, but uh, he's not... Okay, I'm not going to spoil it. It's it's considered a Kaido Kid episode. Okay, so Kaido Kid next. Hopefully Sonica will be in it. Fingers crossed. Uh, should be an interesting thing. Yeah, I think she is. Cool, I love Sonica. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we have that to look forward to. I yeah, Sonica's awesome. also wanted to give out a shout out to a new listener who joined Twitter. Shout out to Ryan Self. His, his Twitter bio showing how dedicated he is. To the best damn Detective Conan <laughs> podcast around. He says, I'm here just to message a podcast named A Case Reopened, the number one Detective Conan rewatch podcast. He's got the branding down and his Twitter bio. You gotta respect it. His Twitter avatar is him showing off his big biceps. Really just, we have a lot of ripped listeners calling. It's very cool. We do. And then there's the actual people who do the podcast who, I'll speak for myself, I am not that ripped. <laughs> I've got a 22 pack. I, mean, I know they're supposed to be in sixes, but I'm bad at math, so 24 pack. D- dare yeah. I do the joke like, oh, you mean in the fridge? Ouch. That, that was kind of hurtful, Colleen. I don't know why we had to go there. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. We didn't I have to I guess we'll be back there. next week with the three-parter. You can follow oh us gosh. on Twitter at case underscore reopened. We'll be back. All right, bye. I'm sorry. Bye, everybody, and remember, one truth always prevails.